0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. of Derek Scott Third, your host, with Brooke Lawrence, my co-host. Brooke, how are you doing in this new year? And happy new year, my friend. How are you doing this morning? I'm
1: i I'm, I'm good. I'm, awesome. I'm good. Awesome.
0: Super good. Um, we got Michael Yerrick, part of Studio Wesley, also with us. Michael, how are you today?
2: I'm doing delightfully.
0: Awesome. And Michael's actually... In my house in the other room, which is just really, really beautiful and heartwarming and just really, really grateful for him. Happy New Year, Michael. And my friend Tamara Fitzgerald is here with us from Impact Wesley at FAMU. Tamara, how are you doing this new year? It's all good in the hood. Awesome. 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 We're really grateful that you're here to join us for this episode. We're going to just have a really, really great time. Um, we are in the first week of Epiphany. We have celebrated tide, and now we are diving into um, the first week of Epiphany. This week's text is going to be awesome. And so I'm just going to ask Brooke if you would uh, open us in prayer, and then we'll dive in.
1: Yes. Um, dear God, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you so much for, um, for the world and for our lives and for this new year and the new things that it brings. God, I ask that you will be with us and that you will shine your intention and your love through in our conversation and in the lives of everyone who's listening and in the lives of everyone who's not listening as well. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, friends, it's going to be a really great discussion. We're looking at Acts chapter 10, Isaiah 42, Psalm 29, and Matthew chapter 3. Again, first week of Epiphany, we are cruising through the Christian year. And Brooke, you're opening us up with our New Testament text, Acts chapter 10. So why don't you go ahead and take it away?
1: Yeah, when I got this passage, um, there's only like one passage in all of Acts that I care about. And I was disappointed at first when I saw this text because I was like, it's not that passage. But then I read, I read the larger chapter that it comes from, and it actually comes immediately after the passage that I care about. The only passage in Acts that I currently care about. Um, I hope to change that, right? But like, that's just the reality. There's one passage in Acts that I care about. And the passage in Acts that I care about is called, in my NRSV Bible, Peter and Cornelius. And what happens is um, Peter, before Acts chapter 10, Peter is a leader in the church, right? Like he's like one of the head leaders. I haven't done my like Acts reading in a while, but he's like one of the head leaders in the church, right? And he believes there's like a split, right? Like there's the people who um, who think that you have to, be Jewish and like adopt to Jewish ways of being in the world to be a Christian. And then there's people who really want to welcome Gentiles in. And I could be getting all of this wrong, right? Like I don't know if Peter starts this, but Peter is a person who he really thinks that upholding Jewish law is really important to the Christian life. So God does this thing where Peter is like on this speech and like, the Bible tells us that there is like these, these animals come like all sorts of animals and they're all unclean. And God says something that's not vegan at all. God says, or he hears a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat, which again, not vegan. Um, But he says something beautiful. He said, "Um," then, but Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again, a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. And this passage means a lot to me because um, there is a time in my life where I was praying about um, LGBTQ plus things and like, I knew I knew that I was an affirming person, but I was just, again, like, checking in with God. Like, God, like, what do you say about this? Like, because people do have different opinions. And I really felt God guiding me to this passage. And whenever, if I ever do have, like, a thought of, like, what is God saying about LGBTQ things in the world? I just, I remember this passage, and I just feel... um affirmed and unfolded in God's inclusion and love for all of us. Because that's um, what I hear God saying in that passage is God saying, "I, um, I determine the law, right? Like you've been told this and I'm not going to say like, like you've been told this, like there is a tradition of this, but if I say this is good, I say this is good. And that's it. And I've, I've really felt God say that around LGBTQ plus identities, um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, to talk about the passage I'm actually here for, um, I, I think it's so important to understand the context of where it comes from, um, because there, there's some beautiful things in what Peter says. Um, and I always think Peter is just funny. like He's just like a character, right? Like he, <laughs> um, cause I, um, you read about him in the Gospels, right? He's just, like, impulsive, and, like, he's earnest, but, like, he always gets it wrong. Um, and I I understand Peter as, like, the disciple that represents us, like, the disciple that represents disciples, like, all the messed up things that we do in our journey with God. Like, Peter's there. Like, Peter's doing it, too. Um, so there's, like, good the Peter stuff, but I think it's also important to understand, like, the beautiful context that comes from. So the first... Thing i'm going to pull out is um just this verse um 10 thir- then peter began to speak to them i truly understand that god shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him and i love this idea of god shows no partiality um fairness is really important to me i um when i was the next in day teacher um And always, like, I just, whenever I'm around, especially a group of young people, I, to me, it's really important to not have favorites and to just love and appreciate people exactly as they are Um, and to seek to do that in all things. um, And that's hard for a human to do, right? But I, I do believe God is capable of that. And I love God having that idea of it. Um, and I also like the end of this because it does bring us to the context. I love this. Um, our, um, our CCW pastor, Haley, keeps, keeps talking about this. And I really appreciate it. The fact that um, without inclusion, a lot of people like me, I'm about to take my ancestry test that I got for Christmas. So I don't know, maybe I'll find out that I'm like 1% Jewish, but like I doubt it, right? Like I I think without like inclusion of Gentiles, I would not really have a place um, in the church. Um, so I, I appreciate that remembrance that inclusion is our story. And without inclusion, people like me wouldn't be in here. Um, and to remember and honor that inclusion um, while also remembering remembering the Jewish context that our faith comes from. And I also, I just love, um, again, Peter has a personality, right? Um, Peter has a personality, and he's kind of funny, and he has, like, a specific approach to the gospel, right? Like, he, um, he's really enthusiastic, and I think he tends to, like, make general statements. Um, And the thing is, like, he can just, like, get on board with something so fast, right? Like, he's suddenly, like, oh, like, God is for all people. Everywhere. Like he he has this experience and the, nec- the next day he's like all on board. Um, and it's kind of adorable. Um, but I really it's hard to pick out a passage. I just, I love um, the end of this passage I'll say um, 1037 through 43 if anyone's interested in looking it up. I just love the way that Peter explains his faith. Um, it's not exactly how I would explain my faith, but I'm really, I'm really interested in the ways that people describe Christianity and what Jesus means to them. And I, I find value in, in the way that Peter chooses to connect this community of Gentiles um, that he's speaking to, that he's welcoming into the faith, the way that he describe, essentially describes his faith.
0: Wow, Brooke, you just said something um, that struck me. You said inclusion is our story, and I wrote it down. And I don't often write down quotes during the recordings because I'm trying to like state. But you said that, and you're like, "You're like, real quick, like inclusion is our story." And I was like, "We could just stop right there. Like, we could stop the recording and just like camp out on the the deep truth that that." Is and that that's a deep truth we need to really recenter in our faith and in our practice and expression. So I just want to thank you for that context and that commentary and and your t- it was just there's so many pieces there, but that that one line that's what I have to say in response to you. Like inclusion is our story. You got me. Like you got me. I'm signed up. I'm on the front row now because that was uh, just such a true. It's a true statement. And it's what we've, you were, ah, if it wasn't for inclusion, we would not be in this thing. Oh my God. Okay. So, Michael, Tamara, y'all got anything in response to what Brooke just gave us these last few minutes?
2: I. I mean, anybody who's been watching this show for like, however long it's been on know this already but like I, I don't know every time i hear you, you brooke you just do so good at humanizing the people that write these things in the bible which like i don't know this is like the Bible's just all, i've had a very like my relationship with the bible whatever but like it, it, it's it's very unattainable until i hear you talk about these people as like people and you're like oh yeah it's really interesting the way like peter describes this it's adorable like well i don't it's like so humanizing that i'm like oh like now i can read this But like, I don't know, before hearing you talk, I couldn't, I just wanted to point that out. But anybody who's been watching this knows that already. I'm just saying it once more.
3: You talked about the impartiality of God.
2: And
3: it reminded me of the song that says God doesn't love in pieces. Um, God loves in wholeness. And that's, that's the presence of God that makes the gospel what it is, Um, that we can be a broken people or feel like broken people, and God can still do God's thing through us, with us. Um, It also talks about the fear of God or fear for God being like a key to unlock forgiveness, and that word fear means to withdraw, myself from my inhibitions and just focus on what God will have for me. Um, And that's really big because if I just stop focusing on myself and focus on a big thing like God, all of those small things that I'm dealing with, even if they feel really big, that'll be bigger.
0: Awesome. Brooke, way to get us started. Uh, The first NX episode of the new year um well i guess it's technically the second episode of the new year because we had a january first one but the first one we're recording in the new year so with that i'm gonna pick up the old testament text thank you brooke We'll pick up the old testament text um isaiah 42 and y'all should know me by now i want to take the whole episode to talk about isaiah 42 i'm not gonna do that because michael and tamara have much better content coming um i'm just gonna lift up a couple of verses here in Isaiah 42. Isaiah is just this mammoth text. If we're talking about context, this is the second section um, of Isaiah. Sometimes we call it second Isaiah in some theological circles, just to get like really specific. Um, because we are literally talking about a hinge in history. We're in this middle space of tension, of 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 recognizing that the world is not the way that it should be by any stretch of the imagination. And yet there is more available to us if we would turn back to our God. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking to us. And there's so many beautiful things happening in it. Let me just lift up the first couple of verses of Isaiah 42. But here is my servant the one I uphold. Now remember from a few episodes back, um, we we um, when we read these prophecies in the Old Testament, many of us Christians tend to attach these prophecies to uh, talking about Jesus. And we just want to acknowledge that, well, yes, we might be seeing Jesus in these verses. That's not necessarily what the prophet was seeing, the original hearers. And so we just want to hold that, that, we are sometimes superimposing an outcome that's not necessarily what was going on in the moment. But again, um, I'll start over. But here is my servant, the one I uphold, my chosen, who brings me delight. I've put my spirit upon him who will bring justice to the nations. And here's the part that I just thought. It's just incredible. He won't cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in public. He won't break a bruised reed. He won't extinguish a faint wit. and it means it's just like all these things that he won't do and so i'm just like the question i ask is so if he gonna bring justice what he what is he gonna do like he's not gonna shout or scream all right fine because that's the way that i know we normally okay so not gonna do that i'm um, not gonna make his voice heard in public so he's not gonna have a platform like what are we doing here like how you gonna actually do something whoever this one that is being upholded this servant is I think it's Jesus, but again, want to be very honest with those who are who wrote uh, wrote this originally. Heard it originally. Okay, he's not going to do all these things. What's he going to do? Won't break a bruised tree. I know that there's like some imagery. It's like, oh, I'm a bruised tree It won't break me. Let's get, but in the context of this prophecy, he's not really talking about him like holding us and like taking care of us. It's like I'm not going to do those things. i um, but the anniversary, but he will surely bring justice. And my first piece of this. And this is where I lean into epiphany, this reminder that, you know, our God has not come in the way that we thought he would. He comes to us. Um, I heard Pastor Haley say this yesterday in church. He comes to us not as a fully grown adult, even in, 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 in talking the incarnation. He doesn't just, poof, I'm an adult, but comes to us as a baby with need and 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 crying and vulnerability. And, and, and this is how God comes. This is how God is going to bring justice. This is how God's going to bring renewal. God's going to do it first and foremost by becoming like us, like in every single way. And no, it does not look like the way that we think justice and renewal and restoration should come. We think it should come with shouts and crying out aloud. We think it should come with the voice being heard in public we even think some heads should roll. We think that some lights need to be extinguished. That's just not the way that God's going to come. But God's coming. <laughs> and this is the message of epiphany, right? God is here. And justice will prevail. He, The scripture says he will surely bring justice. So that, for me, is just this first point of just recognizing that the, the God is not coming the way we want him to the way we want to see Jesus, you know, move about our lives in this earth, but he will surely bring justice. And then the final piece for me, and again, just want to take the whole hour, but just going to go all the way. Verse nine, the things announced in the past, look, they've already happened, but I'm declaring new things before they even appear. I tell you about them. I think the thing I'm leaning into specifically in this season of epiphany Um, but maybe even broadly in 2023 is that really I'm, I'm a historian, um, you know, as being a theologian, amateur theologian um, being, you know, a leader, uh, the thing underneath all of those things, even my reading of the text is that I'm a historian at my base. Like I'm paying attention to history, paying attention to where we've been. And those are the, if, if I'm listening to a book, it's usually a book about history or a take on history. And I was here in this text, the spirit saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," all that history stuff, but that all stuff's already happened. I'm doing something new, my dude. Like you coming, you go. I'm telling you about, like, I'm telling you about the new thing that I'm doing. And I'm, I think, it's one of the things that Epiphany is an invitation for is an invitation to find the new thing, to see the new thing that God wants to do. I think it's beautiful that Epiphany comes at the beginning of a new year, right? Like the new thing, the new purposes, the new doors, uh, the new. Mechanisms that God wants to enact in our lives, but I think that it's even bigger. I mean, I'm thinking about now my family as we are recovering from uh, it, not having my brother with us this holiday season. I'm thinking about my local church and just the the ways that we're continuing on our journey as a local congregation. I'm thinking about my denomination. I'm thinking about Studio Wesley. And the question that I feel like the Spirit's asking is, um, do you hear and do you see the new things? And if there's an invitation that I think Epiphany brings us into, it is the looking for the new thing, the new way that God wants to bring justice and healing and hope and restoration into our lives. And so, those are some of my takes out of this incredible text of Isaiah 42. Like, y'all, I just, the whole chapter, like, the whole chapter is not actually the lectionary text, but you might as well go ahead and just do your life a favor and read the whole chapter slowly like take 30 minutes to read the whole thing okay i'm gonna stop because my friends may have something better to insert and in, and to respond to and so i'll just open the floor uh brooke michael Tamara, if y'all have any thoughts on anything that i just said um yeah Isaiah 42 so
2: good um just the recontextualizing of the word justice and i only say that because like growing up in like certain church atmospheres and then leaving those because you didn't like them i think that same idea of justice was villainized in the sense of like, like literally what you said about heads rolling. Like there are some people that I know that would call that the justice. Right. Um, Which I, I know is, sorry, I'm only bringing this up because like, I, I just, I like hearing it recontextualized just like on a platform because again, like, I don't know, like the word justice for me sometimes like, you hear people talk about it and like, Oh, like a kid gets bullied all like all in this movie. Like you're watching a movie and the kid gets bullied the whole time. And then the bully breaks his leg at the end of the movie and you're like, ah, justice. Um, But it's more than that, especially like in the terms of like God's God's justice is like centered from a preface of like love and everything. Like it's a totally different type of justice. Sorry, this was going to be a question and now it's not a question and now I don't know how to get out of it. So Feel free to respond to that, Derek, if you want to, or we can just move on. I
0: think that one one thing that's always happening in the scriptures in general is that we are trying to figure out how God comes alongside marginalized people, but defends them in a way that doesn't look like the world. And that's a really hard thing, I think, for us, right? Like that, and even the folks who heard Isaiah 42, there's there's marginalization they're they're um coming out of captivity they're hoping for a word that brings them out of captivity and god over and over again in multiple ways through multiple prophets it's like I'm here for you and I'm going to be here for you and I'm going to take care of you, but I ain't going to do it the way that they do it. And if you wait on me to do it the way they do it, you're going to be waiting for something that's not happening because that's just not who I am. And that flows into then how we see Jesus. It's like, wait, you're, when are you going to restore the kingdom to us? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on that cross. That's what I'm going to do. No, 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 that's not what we meant. Like, no, no, no. That's that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So that I think some of that's there, that redef- redefinition of justice all day. I mean, that that is the work of the God follower to redefine what justice looks like in the world, for sure. I...
2: And I'd
3: continue and say that justice for different people looks different. So you can't have a scripture that tailors out what justice is going to look like for an entire nation, because. In this nation, we know that there's different tribes. Each tribe needs something different. Each person needs something different. and needs to have a different experience with the Savior because um, all of us are dealing with different issues. When I would say in the beginning of the text, it says bring forth. And by the end of the text, it says spring forth. Some people need to be brought things. Some people need it to spring out and overflow onto them. So it's it's different. It's different. For different
1: people, I um, I appreciate um, I appreciate what you said here, Derek, and especially about this season of epiphany because I remember um, yeah, I uh, even just recently I was thinking about um. I was thinking about epiphany and what that means, and, and I had an idea of, like, what epiphany meant, and I was like, oh, we're in the season of epiphany, and that's because um, when you would preach at CCW, um, when we would do the liturgical calendar, um, sometimes we would have, like, a season of epiphany, and I remember you described that as, like, a season of grace, And we talked about like what grace means, like how it's both seeing God and then acting in response to God Um, and these like foundational Wesleyan concepts. Um, But they, yeah, those are really important to me. So it's really exciting for me to bring that into the new year. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, But I also also really, um, I appreciate you talking about how um, originally, I, the hearers of Isaiah, like we not thinking about Jesus, like Isaiah was not picturing the story that we have in the Gospels. Um, I was recently, in, um, I was recently introduced to the concept of supersessionist interpretations, which um, I was told are anti-Semitic. Um, and supersessionist readings, um, I talked to Haley about it to try to like get it straight. Um, supersessionist readings are when we superimpose um, a Christian reading on Old Testament texts without acknowledging the context that they arise from um, and the work that God was doing in the Old Testament and for the people of the Old Testament. Um, and I'm um, I've honestly been thinking about these annex recordings because um, a lot of times when we read the Old Testament, it seems so clear, especially during um, during Advent, like how we connect that to our faith tradition. Um, so I'm currently as we listen to all of this, I'm currently trying to figure out where that line is for me. like where how can I, um, how can I read the Old Testament in a way, and the whole gospel really, um, in a way, or I think they even um, like Hebrew Bible, I think that's like the term that's preferred, like trying to like figure out how to um, how to be less anti-Semitic in my practice of Christianity. Which seems like it shouldn't be hard, but like it, it like it, it's just so intermingled in Christianity and Christian practice that it is hard. But that's something that I am wrestling with um, as we read through the text. And I appreciate you bringing that up, Derek.
0: I appreciate y'all you and your responses and comments and questions. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Hi friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Studio Wesley Annex. My name is Derek Scott III. I'm the campus minister and creative producer for Studio Wesley. Studio Wesley has been around for a few years, but we are now heading into a new season of ministry. We will continue to create and curate content for college-age young adults that we believe is inclusive, expansive, and liberative. But we also want to come alongside you, college-age young adults, wherever you are on your journey. Whether you're working and haven't connected to a local church, or you're on a campus that doesn't have a Wesley Foundation, or you're like most college age young adults, trying to navigate life and faith and all that comes with it. We are here for you and would love to journey with you. Now, let me be clear. We are not mental health professionals. We are not ordained clergy. We're just everyday folks here. But in being everyday folks, we're just like you. We're just trying to figure out who we are and how that relates to our faith and our future. So with the digital tools that we have, like Zoom and Instagram, we wanna come alongside you. And so as we continue to design and expand Studio Wesley and what we offer, we'd love to hear what you feel like would actually serve you best. Feel free to send us an email at studiowesleyconnect at gmail.com or drop us a DM on Instagram or Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you, serving you and journeying with you. And now, back to the show. And welcome back to this episode of Studio Wesley Annex. And we're going to dive right into our psalm text with my friend Michael. Uh, so, Michael, take it away with Psalm 29.
2: Yo, okay. Okay. And you're going to hear me do that a lot, and I apologize in advance. I have Psalms 29, also known as the Voice of the Lord by some people, and uh, yeah, I love this. I'm going to read parts of it. Um, basically, in in a nutshell, there's just a lot of nature in the world references to like to explain the power of God's voice. So the voice of the eternal echoes over the great waters. God's magnificence roars like thunder. The Eternal's presence hovers over all the waters. His voice explodes with great power over the earth. His voice is both regal and grand. I, um, yeah, I, I love this. The first thing I have to say is that if that doesn't have the makings of a great Pixar short then I don't know what does. Like I can just picture like a song playing and like all these different sounds like of the earth or like making sounds to the music and that's like the beat of the song. Like after reading this, I like desperately wanted to turn it into like a Dr. Seuss children's book. I think that could really work. Like his voice roars like thunder. His voice explodes with wonder. His voice makes jump the ox with socks with earthquake sounds asunder. It's a whole thing. Anyways, uh, The reason I bring that up is because of all the textures in this, like, song. So we have, like, these textures of the cedar, like, splintering, like, the wood splintering, like, like, the desert, the desert, like, sand reacting to sound, right, which makes all, like, the little, like, sand things, like, you know, jump, whatever. It's, like, a full sensory experience, which, like, I feel like is what makes Pixar kind of, like, so prevalent is because like there's all these textures and colors and sounds and tastes and smells. And like this verse has them all. And I love that. Um, so, okay, let me get off my tangent for a second. <laughs> um, all of this has to do with nature. Like, like they're all nature references, which like immediately draws me to the fact. So I was working on this like project with a buddy of mine. He wrote this play. Um, and in it, there's a character who's like entire relationship with, with God is centered around nature so he doesn't he doesn't hear the voice of god in church at all um but when he like goes out and works in the yard he like hears god through the trees and through the weeds and he like learns his lessons all through nature and i know a lot of people in my life that are kind of the same way right like instead of going and sitting in the cathedral or whatever i'm going to go sit like out in nature and that's where god's going to speak to me and um Yeah, I think these these verses are, like, this beautiful, like, sales pitch of the power of God's voice through nature, specifically. So, like, the splendor of it, the magnitude of it, the all-encompassing aspect of nature. Like, it's, like, surrounding you, and it's everywhere. And, like, there are these big, like, massive things in nature. But then there's also, like the juxtaposition of these like really small things in nature, right? Like the the dew on the leaves or like the little bug that flies by. Um, So there's like the big, the little, the vast, the specific, and then all the destructive power becomes something peaceful and tranquil at the end, Um, which like to me, now that we're in like the new year, I think about like how like the holidays are like these big, like massive, like parties. Like we have all these reasons to go to church. We have these people to celebrate, like, you know, the reason they call them like the, like the Christers, that's the word we use, like the people that only go to church for Christmas and Easter. Like, you know, like, like there's all these people that come to the church because we have a reason there's these big celebrations and big like holidays, big events. And then how do we like trans how do we come out of that into like what I would use as, scripture as like the peace and tranquility of like the new year. Like how do we then come out of all this big into like the peace, like, and find peace in the new year. And I just like, really like this verse because it does end with that exact idea. So it says the eternal is overthrown, overthrown over the great flood. His reign is unending. We ask you eternal one to give strength to your people. Eternal one, bless them with the gift of peace. Um, Yeah, I just think after after all these big, big events, the bigness of God and everything, we're still coming back to like the peace of it all. And I think nature is the perfect metaphor for that, because we have like tsunamis, we have earthquakes, we have all these powerful things that show the power of God's voice. But also there's like a lot of peace that comes out of like the stillness of nature, too, Um, and the stillness of nature. We call the stillness of nature, but there's still like there's there's still an ever presence of nature there. So like that to me is also very like nice because I, I can translate that to God of like, even when all things are quiet, I'm just not recognizing that there is like sound in the stillness. It just it's so peaceful that I can't even recognize it. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks.
0: No, nah, thank you, Michael. That was great. I loved your animation of Psalm 29. I feel like I hear Psalm 29 so much in the season of Epiphany. Um, And I think it also sometimes comes up in Lent as well. And and it's kind of turned into that this rote, uh, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. But you actually like brought some true, I think, true Psalmist energy to just me thinking about even what, the psalmist is trying to do. The psalmist, I think, is trying to get me to wake up to the voice of the Lord and the ways that God's voice really does impact the world. And yes, uh, 21st century 40-something probably needs a bit of vocal animation to really get some wake-up. So I I appreciate, I appreciate that. There are a lot of things I appreciate what you said, but I just want to put that on the table. Uh, Tim or Brooke, y'all got any thoughts on anything that Mike just said? Um,
3: I would just say and emphasize that part about holidays coming in like a great storm, because that the last two, three months of the year is literally seven holidays packed tight. Um, fall semester for students feels so weird, <laughs> busy. Um, they get breaks all the time. It's, it's really weird for them. Um, but coming into the spring and coming into the season of epiphany, um, they get to slow down and actually take some things in, Um, get better steady habits, um, speak with their family over the break about how they can get into better routines and things like that. And that's kind of what the scripture is talking about, breathing in the presence of God, even in that that still moment, in the stillness. And I think that's really important. And you emphasize that very beautifully. Pixar definitely... (laughs) needs to do that i feel like having animation based on scriptures in that respect would be like i think that's next steps to studio wesley i'm plug
1: (laughs) yeah i'm already thinking of ways to we could capitalize on that market because you know like the spirit moves like other people are thinking about too i'm sure so if we want to get in there we have to like put on animation tomorrow if we want to, <laughs> if we want to get a hold of that market. I um, yeah, I was trying to just listen to what you were saying Mike and not open up the scripture but I ended up, I ended up opening up the scripture because um, I was I was curious about what you were saying about like seeing the Pixar scene. I love Pixar. Um, Pixar shorts are kind of weird for me, but I love Pixar and I was like, it, can I, can I see this? So I, um, I haven't said this yet in the an next episode yet. Cause I was like, can I tie this in? Are people listening? But, um, I am, um, I recently found out that I'm autistic and I have <laughs> also been diagnosed with ADHD, which might be why I'm like, kind of like excited, um, but, um, that impacts how I read scripture, um, and it, like, we all, we all read scripture uniquely, and I'm, like, really good with metaphors and all of that stuff, but I, um, it really bothers me, like, the psalms really bother me, I don't, I really struggle with the psalms because they, um, they don't seem very grounded to me, and like what's really happening. Like I, um, like the glory of God. Like, like these words just don't don't form a picture to me, and they seem kind of, um, I don't know, really unsettling to me. But what I really appreciate, Mike, about what you said is the way I really loved how you connected it to the nature imagery because I love nature. I love how that grounded me in it. And to think that um, what Derek said, that that is probably a big part of what the psalmist was drawing in as he wrote it. I think that's what you said, Derek. (laughs) Um, That really helps me. And I also, honestly, when you were doing at the beginning, when you were like talking about like the glory and like like your hand movements, I've been, I don't know, I I tried to learn things randomly. So I've been I've been trying to like binge read like the ASL, like big ASL book, you know, I'm like trying to learn ASL in my spare time. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'm like, I would love to like know the ASL signs for this, but as like I'm learning more about language and trying to learn about like the, the meaning of different words, um, that really encourages me to just I think thinking more about the meaning and reading the Psalms word by word might help me get into them more but I felt I felt inspired by that by by your your enthusiasm about the words that have no meaning to me Mike so I I appreciate that
0: Your enthusiasm about the words that have no meaning to me is Another incredible quote. <laughs> and I'll just say, as we are landing this plane and Tamara's about to just take over and it's going to be, we're going to be just overwhelmed in a millet. But I just have to say, if Christians could get honest about the ways that preachers and artists bring to life words that actually have no meaning to us, if we could be honest about that, I think we would... I think there would be a revolution. Okay, I've stopped. We probably should edit that part out. There's probably nothing helpful with me saying that at this time. So, yes! And so y'all didn't see this, but in, in the private chat, Brooke literally just wrote, what does glory mean? Like, I know! I know! All right, Tamara, take over. Bring bring some sense and some, I don't want to say glory, because we don't know what it means. <laughs> or maybe we do. Go for it, Chamber, With uh, our Matthew text for today,
3: can do. Uh, our text for today is Matthew three thirteen through seventeen, and we're talking about when it, Jesus was baptized by John. Um, in this scripture, John the Baptist is on the scene in the wilderness, like he usually is. Um, and that's where he abides. Um, I actually found out in studying this scripture that John the Baptist was born in a hill town. So he is what I would describe a country boy who's, who's born into um, the wilderness, who understands the terrain and all these things, and he chooses. Uh, To follow this calling to baptize people in a time and in a space where baptisms is not seen as a total forgiveness, kind of just a gift. Kind of just a symbol of I am going to be undone and come into this space with this person who I trust Um, And those who were baptized are then seen as John's disciples or as people who want to dedicate themselves to the law at that time and to the practices that the um, community was following uh, according to the scriptures that they had available to them. Um, We've been talking a lot in this episode about contextualizing the verses, understanding that We're in a time and space where we can see the front, the back, the middle. um, But while they're in the middle of it, they can only see what was behind them if it was available to them um, in those scriptures. But for John the Baptist, these scriptures like Isaiah that we talked about today were available to him. Um, He was able to be discipled in it as well as his cousin, Jesus. Um, So these are two cousins who come together in the wilderness connect with one another at the Jordan. And at first, John does not want to baptize Jesus. Um, He says, oh, no, I am not worthy to do this. Why do you come to me? Do you come to me? Um, Is exactly what it says. And Jesus responds and says, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And that seems like a interesting way to try and persuade somebody um as a coach i would be like so you're telling me to put you in the game because it's right to do so you're telling me that it's appropriate even though i feel like you could coach better than i could coach um and you just want to be put in but who would not put jesus into the game um for john knowing that this was the Lamb of God Um, in the parallel to this scripture in the book of John. John the Baptist calls Jesus Lamb, Lamb of God. So recognizing Jesus' holiness and bringing in all that Jesus is saying that I am not worthy. Um, And just to take a pause in that respect, there are going to be moments during your discipleship while being a Christian, trying to be more Christ-like where you feel like the things and the blessings that you're receiving, you aren't worthy of them. But it's important that you understand that all those things that are coming to you, all of the goodness that you are receiving are designed for you. Um, So don't let doubts and don't let... um, appropriateness that sounds pretty that sounds bad to say but like appropriateness and what adults and older people i'm not saying disrespect your elders or anything jesus and john are around the same age um but take a moment in the stillness um to discern what god has for you next um and anything that god says is for you is definitely for you um and in this case jesus is baptized by john and when doing so even even, this is a verse about consent is what's happening john consents It says, um, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, something crazy happened where the sky itself opens up. And imagery-wise, I'm just like, so there were clouds in the sky, and then the clouds decided that it was time for them to scatter. So, like, probably a great gust of wind came down and just divided the clouds up. Um, so everybody's looking up at the sky and then a dove or a light descends on to Jesus like a dove and that is shown, known as the spirit of God being present and everyone being able to recognize that. Um, it's cool that John was able to recognize it without all the hoopla, um, probably because growing up john heard the story of jesus birth and was like that sounds like something that was written in the scriptures is my cousin the holy one a savior of sorts is that what's happening and probably seeing jesus grow up in stature and become the one um just to say that i knew that guy is pretty cool in itself but um to see it happen and see that his pause was justifiable, um, that it was okay for him to say, I'm unworthy to do this thing. Um, That was pretty cool to see, to see that what he said was true, but Jesus is still the truth and it still needed to happen. So even when he had a pause, um, even when he wanted to not do a thing, he was able to check himself and to be reassured by the person, the individual, the great being himself, that it's okay. And it's even okay that you were scared, but it's even more okay for you to do this holy thing and this holy act for me, because this is the only way that we're going to unlock something um, in heaven. And that's pretty cool to see. That is all that I have for you today. Thank you for joining us.
0: Oh, Tamara, there's, oh, the richness, the richness, my friend. I um, I love how you zeroed in. I think it's uh, verse 15. Um, I grew up in, uh, you know, Black Baptist Church, Black Institutional Baptist Church, and so we use King James Version because... That's what we did. And that verse in the New King James, sorry, King James Version, the verse in in the King James Version there, it says, suffer it to be so now. And we used to repeat that every first Sunday, this passage, every first Sunday, we repeat this passage as a part of our communion liturgy. And so every first Sunday, we would say, suffer it to be so now. And I just remember how it struck me that Jesus is saying to John, he's using this word, which it's got some, uh, you know, some, descriptive meaning there of the this this suffering to do this like john this this cost both of us something to let this moment happen um it's not just on me being baptized it's not just on you baptizing me this is going to cost both of us something this is a and i just i i just remember being struck that that's the word that the king james and it may we may have translation issues and that's fine we'll talk about those on another day but i i I bring that up because then I hear you talking about, and the word I kept hearing as you were talking, him was shift. That this this shift of just the movement of uh, the voice coming out of heaven, this dove, and that I knew you, but now I'm seeing you, like the, all of these pieces, right? Like, and and I'm just thinking about that again. That 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 King James version, suffer it to be so now, and and the cost that we both need to pay. To fulfill, this to fulfill our roles in this story. Um, so that uh, you guys gave me all the thoughts. Uh, just so so grateful, uh, Michael, Brooke. Y'all got any thoughts of what Tamar brought to us today?
2: Yeah, I, I just feel like you you like tore you started to attack the idea of imposter syndrome, which is great for me and like many any probably any young person listening to this because that's like the it feels like that's a very prevalent thing now of like like I feel like I'm gonna get exposed for being a fraud and like yeah i I, I just love that that's that's where you like came at this from as that's, that's awesome
1: yeah, I um first of all, Tamra, this is like my first time being on a zoom call with you and my first time meeting you. Um, but I. Um, I really appreciate how you grounded us in um, in the spiritual call of the reading, like inviting us to just be still and invite God into our lives and to listen and believe um, what we feel called to and what, how we feel led by the spirit. That's always, um, I think that's a message that is hard to hear outside of church circles and annex recordings. Um, but I, um, I really appreciate that pastoral wisdom and grounding. Um, but yeah, I was, I was also thinking of what Mike said. Um, I, I honestly, I think it's so funny to think about John the Baptist. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I have a lot of questions around John the Baptist. And if we believe that Jesus had brothers and sisters, like what was it like to grow up with Jesus? Um, I read a book that's kind of like, I think it's respectful. (laughs) It's kind of like a satirical take on the gospels. And in it, like when Jesus and John are growing up, they're like, um, I don't know, like John has a really hard time with Jesus. Cause he he like knows Jesus is better than him. Uh, I don't think Jesus would like use that language, right? But like that that's the way John sees it. Is he's like, oh, like Jesus thinks he's better than me. But like, look, I can do this, and Jesus is just like, no, like I know you think that, but like I can, I only <laughs> just like I can clearly do so much more, and like this isn't worth my time. Um, but I, it's hard. <sighs> And I, I do believe like, there is no theology that tells us that John isn't like fully human, right? Like John is like flawed, like he's imperfect. And I, um, I imagine he really struggled with um, like had maybe didn't struggle, but he had to go on a journey of recognizing his place in relationship to Jesus. So I always, I always think about that when I think about John, um, but what I also, what I really feel called into with this, um, that you, I think you invited us into as well, Tamara, is that um, I love how, like, John understands his relationship to Jesus, right? He's like, you you are more than me. Like, I am here for you. And yet, like, Jesus invites us into his story. Jesus is still like, no, like I want you to do this for me, like you were doing this, and I want you to do this to me. Like the things that Jesus, um, like the the baptisms were set up, you know, like baptizing with water. Um, those were set up to to like make the way for Jesus. But the way that Jesus weaves himself into what we do. Like, Jesus is like, oh, like, you, um, like, only servants wash the feet of people. Well, I'm going to do that, too. Like, just the way that Jesus makes himself human and invites us to be a part of that story, That that's something that also helps me with, with that imposter syndrome and just thinking that not only am I invited into this story, but I think, like, all of us, all of us are invited into this story in the way that John invites Jesus, in the way that Jesus invites John into this story. And that's that's really uplifting for me.
0: I love it. Wow, Tamara, thank you so much for such res- wisdom and depth. As we are finishing this uh, episode, and I'll just say that as I've been, been listening to us discuss, I I hear and I'm, I'm imagining, I'm thinking, um, um, I, I guess it's this question of, again, it gets a little bit to the Isaiah text, but broader than that. What's the new thing that God wants to do? What's the new experience that God wants to um, bring to us? Yes, this year, but specifically as we go into these next few weeks of Epiphany. And it remind us that you know each stage of the Christian year is pulling us, you know, we're we're pulling from where we just were, and it's pushing us into the next season. And so we just came out of Advent, where we are lifting up our expectation and and acknowledging the ways that things aren't the way that we believe they should be. Um, And I love that that's how the Christian year begins. (laughs) The Christian year begins with our longing. And the fulfillment, in a way, we just were not expecting it. But we celebrate that God has answered our longing. <laughs> we don't know what it means. We don't necessarily have it you know fully understood. We, don't, we definitely don't have the whole story. We just have a little baby. And that's enough to break out for 12 days and just celebrate. God has answered our longing. It, and now we spend epiphany paying attention to the ways this answer is an answer. The answer. And I think it's really okay to sort of start an epiphany sort of saying, okay, I see that Jesus is the answer, but how is he the answer? And you know, I think as we continue to look at the text, you know, it's, it's, it's the voice. It's the new thing. It's, it's, look, I'm not partial to any particular group or people group. Um, I, I've called people clean and that's going to be a shift suffer it to be so now we've about to shift the way that we've seen each other and God and that's going to take us to a place where we're gonna need to confess some things if we fully receive the invitations of epiphany it will bring us to a place that we need to say okay I missed some stuff I missed some stuff I mean I'm good to talk about what everybody else missed I'm real good talking, but I missed some stuff, and I need a few days, maybe 40, to unpack and to be honest about the things. And so I just invite us to live in this season of epiphany that is this new thing, that is this light, that is us seeing what we've not seen. And I want to be careful about my language, seeing with our hearts, my friends. Seeing with our our being, not just physical eyes, seeing with our spirits. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to make us aware of the new thing that God is putting in front of us? Um, And so with that, oh, I just am so grateful for my friends. I'm going to pray for us, but I'm so grateful for my friends today uh, in just a profound episode. I am impacted today. This was not just a phone in. This really, today's conversation really has done some stuff in my soul, and I'm so grateful for my friends and all they shared. So friends, let's pray together. Oh, God of the epiphany, I do pray that uh, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. I do pray that our souls would be made aware I do pray that wherever we are and whatever we're doing, we would know that you, God of the epiphany, is a God that has no partiality towards any group. And so would you, Holy Spirit, awaken us yet again to the new thing, to the voice, to the shift, to the things that need to change, the, the suffer it to be so now, the I thought I knew, but now I now I know. Would you open us up to that as we engage this season of Epiphany? Give you praise for our time together and just exploring the text. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tamra, you are a gift. We are so grateful for you. Um, I don't think this will be the last time you hang out on Studio Wesley Annex. I, I think we might be seeing you some more. Um, Michael, always grateful for you and just all of your gifts. Brooke, you are a joy. Um, and it's just always good to be in the space with you. Um, friends, like Tamara, you're unmuted. So I wonder if you, were, you you got a shout out before we, we uh, drop off here.
3: Come to family Wesley. There is a building now.
0: Y'all. <laughs> Wait, Yes. We go. we, yes! Okay, we got We got to talk about that. We gonna we work that out, beautiful. Friends, thanks for being a part of this episode of Studio Wesley Annex. We'll see you next week. Have a good one, happy epiphany!